0: This is Linda O'Brien. Thanks for joining us on the podcast series for Women Vision SC, a production of South Carolina Public Radio. This season you'll hear from 11 women across the state. They were nominated by our listeners. This week we talk with Minor Mikkel Shaw, president of Mikko LLC in Greenville. Welcome Minor Mickle Shaw. You have been described as being one of, if not the most connected women in this part of the country. Tell us about being a woman in business, and support of literally dozens of nonprofits, arts, and educational organizations.
1: Well, I feel very blessed to be involved in a lot of different organizations, or in, at least through time, I have been involved in, in a number of different organizations, both for-profit and non-profit in the business world and the foundation world, and it has been fascinating. It's been very rewarding, so I feel very lucky to have had that opportunity here in South Carolina and also in North Carolina. When you started
0: in business, tell us about that and also being a woman, how that was, running an investment firm, a private firm?
1: Well, our family, my family has always been business-oriented, so I grew up at uh, the dinner table, we would talk about business, and my dad was with Daniel Construction Company, and they were building the company, building Daniel, and and in building Daniel, that's really like building the the southeast, and because of all the business that they would bring in, and that sort of thing. So I. I think I learned about business just sitting around the dinner table and with family conversations. And, And our family then had a family business entity that we put together with various investments. So I was introduced to business at a young age. And then as I grew older, we had a family business that we had different investments. And I first started working at Citizens and Southern National Bank of South Carolina, and later I was asked to go on the board of of what was called CNS Bank of South Carolina. So that particular role really started my business career in uh, board career. And later I was asked to go on the board of Interstate Johnson Lane in Charlotte, which was in investments. And then now I'm on the Columbia Funds, Mutual Funds boards, which is based actually in uh, Minneapolis. It started out based in Charlotte as part of, was Nations Fund and was affiliated with the Bank of America. I've been just involved in a lot of different aspects. In
0: being on these for-profit boards, do you find yourself being one of only or few women?
1: Originally, I was. I was the only woman on the CNS Bank Board, and I was the only woman on the Interstate Johnson Lane Board. And when I joined the Nations Fund Board that was affiliated with Bank of America, I was the only woman on that board. Then, when I joined the Columbia Funds Board, there are about five or six women on that board, and it's been a great experience to have other women on on that corporate board. But the challenges have been... um, They're interesting challenges to be the only woman on a board. I'm sure there would be same challenges if you were the only man on an all-female board, but you have to learn how to participate in the conversation, sometimes in a different way, Uh, and you have to try to make sure that your voice is heard, certainly in a good way, but you also have to listen more carefully, I think, sometimes, and make sure that you are uh, grasping the conversation, particularly if it's not an area that you are um, particularly adept at in the beginning. So there's just a lot to learn and, and forming relationships is really important regardless. You always work to form good relationships with your fellow trustees or your fellow board members.
0: You have held leadership positions at the Greenville Spartanburg Airport Commission and were instrumental in bringing Southwest Airlines to South Carolina. How did that happen?
1: Well, we we worked for a long time to get Southwest Airlines. We actually started working um, to try to recruit Southwest Airlines to the Greenville Spartanburg Airport back in 2001. And then we were very close at that point. And then, of course, we had 9-11 happen. And Southwest Airlines, along with all the other airlines, had a lot of difficulties after that and had to regroup and they changed their their model of where they would go. And so we had to, we waited a long time, and about 10 years after that, we had a lot going on in the Greenville and Spartanburg and upstate region, a lot of very exciting things were going on. And we decided to approach Southwest Airlines again, and we were lucky enough to be able to get an interview out at Southwest, and we brought them to town and they were able, some of the people were the same team members that we had dealt with in 2001, and they were able to see the growth of this area, see the job growth, see the opportunities, and the reason we were able to get Solicit, get Southwest is because we worked as a team, not just the airport, but we worked with all of the economic developers in the upstate, we worked with all the chambers, and it was the number one issue on everybody's list. We needed more air service, and better air service, and lower cost air service at Greenville-Spartanburg Airport.
0: And what's the result of that? What has happened since they've been here?
1: Well, certainly it was exciting that they came in, and I think people realized that for Greenville-Spartanburg to be able to get southwest, it really helped put us on the map in many ways. And in addition to that, the other airlines have increased their service. Uh, we recently got Frontier Airlines, They're, they've just started at Graham Spartanburg and we have announced new flights to LaGuardia, we have one starting in December down to Miami. So we've, we've been able to grow significantly at GSP.
0: How do you go about determining which nonprofits to affiliate with? And you have had such an influence in so many organizations, arts, education, the Duke Endowment. Duke
1: Endowment. Um, yes. Well, I think it just, you know, you're, as you grow and you're involved in, in various aspects, your, your life grows and your, your interests grow. And I started out in my volunteer work being more involved in the activities that, really affected my family and my children. And certainly um, education was one, childcare was another, and I've always been interested in the social services. So I have been fortunate enough to be involved in nonprofits that deal with Things like childcare with housing issues, transportation, and also nonprofits that look at the big issues. I've been on the South Carolina Competitiveness Council and uh, Darla Moore's Palmetto Institute looking at the larger issues. And then, in terms of um, the Duke Endowment, we have divisions for childcare and healthcare, rural Methodist Church, and certainly education. And if you look at what I'm involved in, they all sort of funnel into those, uh, those interests, and, and, and the arts, with the South Carolina Governor's School for the Arts and Humanities.
0: You are involved in business. That has to be a 24-7 job, but yet you volunteer your time, you serve on these boards. Why is it important to you and the
1: community? Well, I think quality of life is critical everybody needs a positive strong quality of life in their community and also just in your life being able to see the the arts and being able to see music and the arts and education and what that does for a community but what that does for your life and what it does for your children's life and i think my husband and i have always tried to make sure that when we're involved in community activities that we're trying to make the community better, not just for ourselves, but for the whole community.
0: This initiative is called Women Vision South Carolina. Do you have an overriding vision that you have taken that has helped
1: you with your own career? That's a great question. (laughs) I think the, the vision would be that you want, I want to be able to give back to the community and try to help the community be the best it can be, but have it be the best it can be for all people. So that you are, you you might deal in the arts, but you're hoping that the arts are going to help all the people so that everyone in your community has the advantage to have a better life. And, and that goes across the board. I'm also really interested in workforce development And for our state, I hope very much that we will be able to continue to improve the education levels in our state, and look at our state as a whole and help workforce development, and have a better quality of life for all the citizens in South Carolina. Right now, I think we're all looking at the various levels of economic disparity, and that is a significant issue for South Carolina, it's a big issue for for the upstate we all are very happy that we've got wonderful qualities of life in all these communities we take advantage of all the arts and the education and humanities are great but not everybody takes takes part in that so i'd like to see everybody have opportunities mm-hmm. Was
0: there a turning point in your life that led to later success
1: Well i think that i was lucky enough to have some wonderful mentors along the way And the men, certainly my parents always had confidence in me and they, they're the ones, they're the reason that my brother and I feel strongly about giving back to the community because they did and they, they made sure that we understood that when you live somewhere, you, you participate and you give back. So that was the foundation, but I've been lucky enough to have some wonderful mentors along the way who had confidence in me, probably a lot more confidence than I had in myself and they gave me opportunities. For instance, CNS Bank of South Carolina, Bob Royal, who lives down in the little part of the state, gave me that opportunity, and Roger Milliken gave me the opportunity to go on the airport commission, and now serve as chairman for that. And then um, I had a wonderful mentor in Hugh Chapman, who was from Spartanburg, who was my mentor that introduced me to the Duke Endowment. So I've been fortunate. Those were turning points for me. I'd say all of those opportunities because they give you a lot more self-confidence and they also, uh, the fact that you have to step into a role where you don't feel confident and you have to get in there and do it anyway. And then you realize, well, maybe I can do this. But um, those just those are a few examples. What would your advice be for young people today Well I think that young people need to be aware of the area that they live in, the community they live in. They need to be aware of the entire community so that they will feel a certain level of social consciousness to be able to give back and make that community a better community that's one thing and then I think they need to also understand that they have opportunities but they have to also help create those opportunities for themselves by being better educated, being involved and if they get involved in something they need to always do what they say they're going to do and they need to have a certain amount of willingness to take chances and to put themselves in situations that might be difficult but you're never going to be able to progress if you don't do that.
0: One of the issues many women face is work-life balance. I'm wondering how you've been able to conquer those issues.
1: Well, that's probably a question you need to ask my husband and my (laughs) children. (laughs) They might answer it differently than I do, but uh, you know, I think one of the ways is that the things that I'm involved in, uh, particularly in the nonprofit sector, are things that really I'm so interested in, and they are things that make my life better and hopefully make everyone's life better. So from a family standpoint, I feel like those are uh, important. And then in terms of um, the, the work on the corporate work, it's exciting. It's fun to be part of this. It's challenging and I feel like it makes me a better person. Hopefully it makes me a more interesting person and my husband and I have been able to enjoy doing uh, many of these things together. We just got back from Japan and I was co-chairman of the Southeastern US Japan Association meeting in Japan. My husband went with me and we've enjoyed doing these things together. And
0: how have you seen the role of women change, especially in recent years? We've seen the Me Too movement. We've seen a lot of spotlight on women. How has the role of
1: women changed? Well, I think there's a lot more information about women's roles in the workforce in particular, and the research has been done that's shown that you will be a much more successful company if you have women in your leadership roles and if you have women on your corporate boards. I mean, The research is there. So I think that there are positions that are beginning to open up for women. People are beginning to, certainly in the corporate corporate world, with corporate boards, people are searching for highly qualified women who um, will be able to fill those board seats. But I do still think that it's a, it's a challenge. I think women have a lot of roles that we have to play. And whether it's the mother and the wife, uh, being involved in the community and the corporate world or the nonprofit world, we have an awful lot of roles that we have to play. And I think that we are beginning to move forward a lot faster than we did. I think we still have a long way to go. It's still a challenge. Was
0: there a favorite teacher you had growing up or someone who really influenced you?
1: Mm. I had a wonderful teacher in college. In my first two years of college, I went to Randolph-Macon Women's College in Lynchburg, Virginia. Then I transferred to Chapel Hill. And I was a history major, but I was a history major because of a particular history teacher at Randolph-Macon Women's College, Dr. Thayer, and he's deceased now, but he he was a great teacher. He was a very difficult teacher, taught me how to think in an entirely different way. In what way? How? Well, in history, you can teach history different ways. You can be a history teacher who asks for the check the blank, you know, multiple choice, or you can be a history teacher who asks you to look at trends and issues, and and he is the one who did that. So he taught me how to look at the big picture and be able to look at trends that might be happening in Europe at the same time and pull those together and then see cause and effect and that has been really valuable for me and i think people who are history majors a lot of history majors think that way and i was lucky enough to have him in particular so it's that analysis that critical analysis i was able to i feel like that's one of the strengths that i bring is to be able to look at the big picture and hopefully tie things together and i like to be able to pull people together so that we can dot the I's, cross the T's, and we are not separated by a lot but if you're working in different paths you never see each other but if you can look at the things that pull us together and the trends and the issues and pull everybody together or look at the issues, pull those issues together and you can be much more effective and then you can start working on the individual specifics to solve the problems.
0: And finally, one last question about leadership. How do you define
1: leadership? When you're a leader, I think that you need to be willing to step forward and to take a stand on issues. If you feel strongly about those issues, you need to be able to, to reach out to others and try to, to um, bring people together and try to address problems um, together. But you, you many times need to be the one who can be out front and define the issue and define the reasons for others where they need to, to, uh, to follow. And I think also leadership is uh, trying to make sure that other people have these opportunities to lead so that you are not going to be the sole leader. I think it's much better when you can develop a larger group of leaders around you and hopefully empower those people, hopefully younger people, to stand up and go forward and be the leaders for the next generation, and that's what I enjoy doing. Thank you very much, Minor Mickelshaw. Thank you, thank you, Linda, appreciate it.
0: You've been listening to Women Vision SC, a production of South Carolina Public Radio. You can find video stories and other resources on know it All and SCETV.org. Subscribe to this podcast on NPR One, Apple Podcasts, SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org, or wherever you find podcasts to hear the rest of stories from this season. The producer of Women Vision SC for South Carolina Public Radio and the podcast series is A.T. Shire. William Richardson is the producer-director of the television series. Zhao Yu is associate producer. Tayora Moody is web manager. Special thanks to Bobby Kennedy, director of special projects. For SCETV and South Carolina Public Radio, I'm Linda O'Brien. Thanks for joining us.